Hey everybody, welcome to episode 28 of the Red Raven Games podcast. I'm Ryan Lockett. I'm Brenna Asplund. And I'm Andrew Frick. Thank you for joining us today. We are, we just have a, uh, this is going to be a quick podcast, but we wanted to talk about a few things. The first thing, near and far. Yes, so near and far, we have got it on a boat now to the U.S., yeah. And it's on its way. So we're we're making great progress towards getting it here. It is going to ship to Kickstarter backers in May and then be released for retail probably near the beginning of June. Yeah, that's right. So we're super excited. I feel like I've been working on this game for, let's see, five, six, ten years. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> <Right>. forever. <laughs> um, like, I'm personally feeling very proud right now because we posted on the Twitter a bit of a poll to see which characters people were most excited to play. And uh, the characters that I wrote got the most votes. There you like, go. they were overwhelmingly popular. I'm glad everyone likes my weird robot so much. <laughs> Yes, the robot's awesome. I, you know, I was saying if I had, if I picked a character out of all those characters, I'd pick the robot. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, big, awesome, cool-looking robot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's on the boat. It's fine. They finally shipped it, and it should be arriving soon to our warehouse. We shipped it to do two different places. There's one going to the U.S. and there's a shipment going to Germany. And then we'll also ship a few to Canada so they can fulfill from there. Yep. So, yeah. Um, now, we had a question the other day. Somebody sent us this question. They said, um, why are you so secretive about your game releases? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. I was kind of shocked at that. But um, I guess we are. The thing is, I, I guess we sort of trickle out information. So we... We kind of mentioned that there's this game somewhere in the uh, the void, and uh, the empires, the not empires the void. of the void. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is, but um, we sort of trickle out information as we go, as we get closer to release. Maybe that's maybe that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Do you guys I think do. like we do? Are we are we secretive? I don't feel like we're particularly secretive. I do think a lot of companies probably do wait a little bit longer to release anything and then release like a lot of info all at once. Like you were saying, we do kind of trickle it out. That's true. That's true. There's a lot where like maybe a bigger company will just be like, Hey, here's the new game. And a few weeks later it comes out. And yeah, you know, I I have a couple ideas on that. I guess, you know, on the one hand, uh, a lot of the company is you, Ryan. And you know, a a lot of what we do is you. So, you're doing more than one thing. You're designing the game. That's the first part. And the art. Yeah. And the graphic design. So I think a lot of like how fast the game can be, in, in, how fast <laughs> it can exist, is kind of really dependent on a lot of those things having to come together. So, And also we get kind of spoiled, I think, in the industry with maybe some publishers that have like a new game every week or feels like that. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel sometimes exhausted from so many new releases. So yeah. if you're always seeing those and then you're like, Hey, wait! It's been it's been like two weeks since I've heard something from Red Raven Games. It's been forever. What I don't know what's going on here. Right. I think I think maybe it's because I I grew up on video games and like a company like uh, Blizzard will announce a game years before it's done, you know, and they'll just they'll trickle out little bits of information and then 
two and a half, three, four years, sometimes ten years later, <laughs> yeah. the game comes out and you've been waiting for it for years. And, and um, maybe I'm used to that sort of model. Because like for me, cause since I'm designing it, cause, because to be frank, a lot of publishers are not, they don't, they don't do a lot of the uh, development in-house. That's right. Or they, um, they might be licensing the game, or they might be, um, you know, the designer is doing a lot of the development, and it's such a short time because once they decide to take a design, it's done, you know. But since we're doing this in-house, we have that long development process, so we're like, hey, we want to start talking about this. And also, I think because we're such a small team and doing the development process ourselves, um, our production schedule can change. You know, it's yeah. not super set in stone like a year or two down the line. Right. So we don't want to necessarily say, well, this game is definitely coming out next fall, but then we decide to focus somewhere else with our production. And that's yeah. not what ends up happening. Yeah, because the truth is we do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. We tend to work on something for a while, and if it's not quite working out, I mean, that's how I've been, I've been doing that since I started this. If it's not quite working out, I'll just sort of move on to something else. So I hate to, yeah, I hate to have a firm release schedule. Well, and it's nice to, it's nice to have that freedom to sort of follow your design sense and follow what's working yeah. and not have to be constantly posting and releasing updates like, oh, well, we said this was coming out, but now this other thing is coming out, and this yeah. has been pushed back, and we said this, but that's not true anymore. You know, when <laughs> things are changing so often, yeah. sometimes it's better to say a little less, you know? You know, I, I agree with what you said. Like, we, we do a lot of the design in-house, and a lot of studios or publishers don't. So, you know, on the one hand, you have, like, we're Red Raven Games, right? And hi to all the listeners who are listening for the first time. But on the other hand, you also have places like, uh, I don't know, like Flying Frog comes to mind. It's kind of like the designers is the company. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like in-house. And you have all these boutique things that are kind of working like that. But on the other hand, if you have a bigger publisher or a publisher that is getting designs from elsewhere, as soon as they get that design from elsewhere, you know, and they agree to it and they shake uh, and they start to announce it, they, they can start having somebody work on the art and translations or whatever it is. And that part, I think, is kind of, the faster part, yeah. Whereas, like, we might be announcing the game early in its inception, yeah. But, you know, before before even the all developments done. Before all developments yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, now one game we have mentioned is uh, that we're coming out with this Klondike Rush. Mm -hmm. It's this game that's set in um, sort of a fictional northern gold rush mountain uh, setting. <laughs> Uh, and the game will be releasing it in August at Gen Con. It'll be the first game we've made that has that have uh, that has plastic miniatures in it. It's got a snow monster and it has little plastic mines. And um, the game is basically uh, it's like a bidding. It's sort of a stock route building. It's like a light stock route building game where yeah. you. Build mines in, in a in the mountain setting, but you're also hunting this monster, this snow beast that's been, um, you know, attacking miners. And there's a reward for that. So you're trying to earn the most money. Yeah. And you're also, you know, when you're building on those routes, you're paying costs, right? Like there's money costs. Yeah. There's a money of, cost on the route. They kind of build to these different locations, and when you get to these locations, you find resources, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a set thing too where you 
You're, you're trying to find resources so you can fulfill orders, and the orders get you money. Like, what are some of the resources? Like, we have... So there's, like, there's, like, uh, um... There's salmon. Yeah, salmon. There's caribou. Yeah. There's sort of generic-looking pelts. Yeah. Furs, <laughs> furs like there, beaver there's, furs. There's a yeah. gem, and the gem is... It's like an emerald. Yeah. An emerald. Yeah. And yeah. those are things that were found in the Yukon. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I've, I've seen these collections of, of emeralds that were found sort of in Alaska, so... That's cool. <laughs> That's neat. Yeah, um, you know, it's... It's, it's definitely a light game. You can play it in an hour, but it, it was fun. I wanted to make sort of a, a very a, a quick-playing route bidding stock sort of a game. So, yeah. Yeah, we're excited, and we'll have... That sort of gives you an overview, so I don't know if that's more information. I get that... So we're, we're giving... There we're trickling go. that information out. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the way listeners. we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, just a quick tip of the week we're going to do. Tip, 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 tip of the week! So this isn't exactly a tip, it's more of a, an observation. So w- lately we've been developing uh, Empires of the Void 2. We're just polishing the uh, rough, the last few rough edges on the game. And this game and the last, well, and near and far, have been very big, sprawling, uh, thematic games that lean toward theme. I mean... Our games definitely have a Euro flavor to them, but these are <laughs> these these are definitely big thematic Euro style games. Yeah, I mean at the core yeah. there's these there's the Euro mechanics. Yeah. Uh, but as you as the theme keeps coming out and it's all its many you know it's how would you say that the more theme you, you put in well, the, the game, more theme you put in the more complex it is and yeah. it's been yeah. so apparent it's really um, it's much harder to develop and test. It's um, the rule book is longer. It's like the more story, like the more you put into that, the more themes. So that's just something you can think about as a designer. Like I've designed games where the theme is really. Whenever I design a game where the theme takes sort of a backseat, the game is so much easier to make. <laughs> you know. Um, so so I want to. I could go back to like. Um, like the ancient world, so the ancient world it's got a it's got a cool theme, but it's definitely not as thematic as our as near and far or as uh, Empires of the Void too. Yeah, and that game has a fairly small rule book, um, and it was fairly easy to design it. Actually, the the hard part was the art because there's so much art in that game. But like compared to this, which there's is, there's which, so much. To interject there, sorry. Yeah. I, maybe that's why Ancient World to me feels like such a thematic game because there's so much art that I feel like I can like well, imagine myself true. It's in this. Like I tried to bring out the theme with the art, right? You know, instead of the mechanics, there are mechanics that are thematic as well, but the art was sort of where I was leaning for the theme on that one. That makes sense. Yeah. So. Um, but it's funny because as we play this, it's like every crazy event or story thing or thing that happens, like, well, what if what if this happens? How does it interact with this other thing? What if I do this thing? And that just adds an extra level of complexity and difficulty yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to the design, right? And I think a good example of that, as well as, you know, as we've been thinking about the design process of Empires of the Void 2, is also Near and Far. Because Near and Far is one of your most heavily thematic games. And there is so much content and so much complexity in that game. It's got a pretty decent-sized rulebook. It has 
the over 90,000 word storybook. It's got yeah. 11 different maps. Like that box is completely stuffed full of components. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we wanted to tell the story about this world and just because of that, it um, we had to put all that stuff yeah. in the box. <laughs> and the, the result, I think, is amazing. And I'm really excited for people to see it. But it yeah. did take, there's a lot in it because of that theme. Yeah. When you emphasize the theme, you got to put yeah, more stuff in it, more complexity in it, more yeah. kind yeah. of more everything. It Dude, definitely boy. felt like a marathon. Like near the end I was like, wow, this there's an endless amount of work here. It, it just never ends. <laughs> when are we going to finish this thing? <laughs> yeah. You know it's interesting cuz to compare like Klondike Rush, uh, you know, has a I think like a two-page rule book, right? Yeah, and it's it's much more of a Euro game, and yeah. it, and because of that, there is theme, and you get you definitely feel that I think you know, which is good for a Euro game. But in comparison, on the other end of the spectrum, you have things like a role-playing system. Yeah, and a role-playing system usually comes out the out of the gate with three, often two or three huge Big rule books, books, just yeah. so they can cover. All these nuances of, of things. If I want to jump on the table and swing from the chandelier and <laughs> kick the bowl in the face of the bad guy, you know, or, or you got to go to the kick to the bowl, kick the bowl kick, table. You got to see like the angle of the bowl being kicked. You know, if there's a wind resistance, uh, you know, like how slick is the table? And you know, there's uh, you know, being facetious, of course, yeah. but but there's right, there's a lot of that. Right. And I think in a board game, you have uh, you're balancing that, but you're always thinking. You're always trying to gauge that or roll it back against the, is it fun? Is it keeping it fun? Like, is it still fun? Like, or right. is it getting so unruly that it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's run like away so much. Like the, <laughs> we're trying to put so many, we're trying to use so many rules to make the theme come alive that it's actually ruining the game, deterring. Yeah, them. like you don't necessarily want players to have to have their face in the rule book the whole time they're playing, because that doesn't necessarily make for a great thematic experience either if you're having to check every little rule every couple of seconds, you know. Right. So right. it's a it's definitely a balance that you have to strike. Getting yeah. it so it's intuitive and that people can remember it because it thematically makes sense and that it's thematic enough, right? Right. right. So it has that it, it, it helps people escape and, and get into the theme. So But it's interesting sure. that you yeah. mentioned like pen and paper RPGs, because I definitely think that Near and Far and Empires of the Void 2, while definitely still definitely still board games, like well within the realm of board games, are like just starting to edge towards or look towards that more sort of RPG feeling and experience. The adventure yeah. Which is part of why they're storytelling kind of complicated. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love those kinds of games. I love those kinds of board games. And I can never play them quite as much because they are an investment to play, but they're of always time. Yeah, time, time. Yeah, yeah, and it's but they're always the ones I keep around. You know, like whenever I, I I'm looking at my shelf, of like deciding what games to keep, and it's always the the really unique story games that I kind of keep around. So it's an interesting point, and I wonder why that is. Like, is it the experience that you even with mechanics or theme or all those things aside, is it the experience that trumps or transcends the uh, the other board games? Like the other board uh, games, like they start feeling samey, and so I guess. They, they, don't, they don't they don't distinguish themselves. Yeah, that could be it. And um, you know, I 
I'll keep stuff around just because I know it's like, wow, there's nothing else like this. It's going to be a unique experience. Um, and all these other games, they're kind of, yeah, they're kind of samey. It's like, I play this one, it's, and I play the other one, and when, when it's all said and done, they felt like almost like the same game. So I guess it's, it's a very similar. I guess it also is like you gate. I guess all this comes down to your personal preference on how many games is too much. Because <laughs> you could, I guess, say I have a set collection card game that has green cards, and this fills the niche in my collection for green cards. Wow. But I also have a is pink card <laughs> set collection game, and I've also got ones with blue cards. So yeah. can't have too many games. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, you can visit our website, redravengames.com. You can follow us on Twitter at redravengame. You can follow me on Twitter at Brenna underscore Asplund. Yep, and you can um, uh, follow me on Board Game Geek. You can talk to me at Wisp Walker. And one more thing to add, um, if you haven't, we haven't talked about this in a little while, but uh, the Red Raven Journey Program is an opportunity, if you're interested, to teach some of our games and uh, get incentivized for it and help us with our volunteer program, you can check out our website. Um, we have information about that under events, and you can send some information to me uh, at andrew at redravengames.com. All right. We'd like to say thank you to Fluidvolt for the use of our theme song, Doggy Goes Moo, off the album Clay Memory. You can see more of their music on soundcloud.com slash fluidvolt. All right. Everybody have a good week. Nevermore. Take care.